Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that while I may be off my nut a little bit in ways you are not, while my heart may wander, you don't. While my mind may wander, you don't. Your word is true. You are indeed faithful. So we lay our lives this evening at your feet. A sacrifice of praise, an offering to you of who we are and the gifts you've given us. For it is all from you, and we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Last week, I had mentioned in, when we were talking about Psalm 2, that on our currency here in this nation, we have put the words, in God we trust. So today we're going to do a little self-examination, a little heart exam, and we want to think, in what do we really trust? What is it that we really trust in? What is it that captures our hearts? What causes us to lose sleep? Is it something at work? Is it whether or not I'm going to get that promotion, move up to the next level? Is it something at school? Is it needing to get an A in that class so that I can get that diploma or that degree so that I can get that good job so that I can provide for my family and I can do all of these things and and get? What is it that captures our hearts? What is it that upsets us when we don't get it? Is it that house that we're trying to get into? Or, Or maybe it's we got that house and it's that neighbor who doesn't clean up their yard and that's what really makes me angry. What in my life stirs up the deepest of emotions, the most excitement? Is it football? Is it basketball? Baseball? Am I so willing to get into an argument, a heated, vibrant argument over whether or not the Dodgers are better than the Pirates? Not that that's really an argument, but hey, is that what gets me excited Or is it Bible study? Is it that I actually get to spend time with the one who created the universe? I get to come face to face with him. What causes us to cry out to that creator, to cry out to God, to say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Who Or what do we really trust in? Our psalm tonight is going to present us with our need and our ability as believers to rest in God's providence. The fact that God provides completely for us, no matter our earthly circumstances. Tonight's psalm reminds us of our ability to lie down and sleep in peace because we trust in God alone. Reminds us of our need to be grounded in God's providence. Go ahead and open up to Psalm 4 if you haven't done that already. Psalm 4, starting at verse 1. You know, do me a favor. Do me a favor. This is a habit that I've gotten into 
And I haven't done it to you yet, but I'm going to do it to you tonight. You know, this word is not like any other book you ever read. This is different, isn't it? Would you stand up for the reading of God's word for me? If you can, if you can't stand up, don't worry about it. It's not offensive at all. It's not an exercise in righteousness. It's an exercise in recognition that this is just a little different than any other reading we would do. Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry. Do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. But you have put more joy in my heart than when they have, than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. There are two kinds of providence. Two kinds of grace that God gives to mankind. There is temporal providence and eternal providence. That temporal providence is the provisions of this world. It is the things of this life, the the things that this earth provides us with. We realize as Christians that all of these things have been given by God through his general grace, or his also, it's also known as his, as his common grace to all humanity. Matthew 5.45 says, He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. This is the providence of God in which most people put their trust. Stuff. The things of this world. But it has its problems, doesn't it? We can see it every single day we live on this earth. This is a world where moth and rust, moth and rust destroy, right? And where thieves break in and steal, Matthew 6.19. My road bike needs two new tires, not because I wore them out, but simply because they sat for a few years. Moth and rust. It just destroys. These, these things of this world are temporary, aren't they? They are limited, they are finite, they are dependent upon weather, time, accidents, temporal circumstances. In our psalm today, look at verse 6. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You've put out, but you've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. People cry out to God. 
when they don't have the things that they want or feel that they deserve. They are only content, they are only happy, their only source of joy is when their grain and their wine abound, when they have the things that they want, the things that their hearts desire. Their team makes the playoffs. Or uh, have you ever seen that? When somebody's team is playing, have you ever seen them get actually depressed when their team doesn't make the playoffs? What they wanted was that so badly that it affects their heart, it affects their person, and the next day they can just mope about work because the Pirates didn't make it to the playoffs. Or, or the Phillies. It ruins their whole day. It's all they can talk about, isn't it? They're unhappy until they get the toy they wanted. The boat, the car, the applause of men. And we all know how long applause lasts. As earnest and, and as grateful as we are to Pastor Paul, and, and that applause was amazing this morning, wasn't it? How long did it last? It, it was a flash in the pan, wasn't it? The stuff of this world, when it's all we have, or when it's what our hearts truly desire and what we trust in, it turns people, doesn't it? It affects their hearts, it affects their mood, it affects who they are, and it turns them towards greed and selfishness. Paul Tripp wrote a book called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, and he, as he observes Scripture, he sums it up like this. He says, everyone, everyone seeks some kind of treasure. Everyone. Your treasure will control your heart. What controls your heart will control your behavior. Everyone seeks some kind of treasure. Your treasure will control your heart. What controls your heart will control your behavior. We live in what I've deemed a hungry, hungry hippo world. Ever see that game? Ever play that game? You got four little hippos. And you have this little lever you push, and, and all the hippos are after the marbles that are in the center of the game. But the marbles are limited. You have to get the most to win, and you're only happy if you win. It doesn't matter who you push out of the way. It doesn't matter who you take advantage of. You gotta get it all, don't you? Verse 2. Oh, men... How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? How long will people put their trust in the things of this world that fade and disappear, disregarding God and thus disrespecting other people? It's a bleak picture, isn't it? This world is in an existential quandary. Is this what life is all about? Get as much as you stuff as you can together around you. He who dies with the most stuff wins. Wait a minute, you can't take it with you. Moth and rust destroy. As Christians, we understand that. We we understand that in Jesus Christ, God calls us to see beyond earthly circumstances and to look toward his eternal providence for our source of joy. 
Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, why is this so important? God wants our hearts. And he knows that real peace, real joy for us, constant peace and joy only come when our hearts trust in God's eternal providence. We can only have eternal joy based upon eternal providence and look beyond the things of this world that are so temporary. Now, as Christians, we have a problem. We see the truth of God's Word, don't we? We understand God's eternal providence, the free gift of salvation in Christ alone that reconciles us to our Creator God, the fact that nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Aren't these good truths? We acknowledge them. We know them. We have them memorized in our heads, don't we? We have the hope of eternal salvation and a home forever in a new heaven and a new earth, don't we? Where do you live right now? We still live in this temporal world, don't we? And we still need the things of this earth to survive here, don't we? Often in our short-sightedness, we start looking at the things of this world the same way the world does, don't we? We become dependent upon our circumstances for our source of contentment, our definition of happiness. I'll be happy when I get A or X. Christ gets dethroned from our hearts as our eyes get drawn to our felt needs and desires. So how can we keep our eyes on Jesus? How can we keep our eyes on Jesus? How can we keep God's specific grace, his special grace, his eternal providence as our source of joy? David, our psalmist here, offers us four pieces of very practical advice. Pray. Remember the comfort of your refuge in the sun. We talked about that in Psalm 2, didn't we? Three, observe your reactions. And fourthly, get to work. Pray, remember the comfort of your refuge in the sun, observe your reactions, and get to work. Those ways we can keep our eyes on Jesus. First, pray. Look at verse 1, Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. 
when we pray, first thing we need to do is acknowledge who God is. He says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. We need to acknowledge who God is. He is the God of our righteousness. Our righteousness is not our own. And we need to recall our dependence upon him. Our righteousness comes from him. We are utterly dependent upon him. We need to know him and to know our place before him as we come before him in prayer. And doing that, simply acknowledging his authority, his sovereignty, helps us to recognize our place before him, and it brings us to a point of humility if we really recognize who he is and our dependence upon him. When we are truly humble, we're going to tend to be far less self-serving. We're going to realize that it doesn't matter what BMW tells you on their commercials, you don't deserve a great ride. You don't deserve the best of everything. You don't, we don't deserve anything, do we? When we pray and acknowledge God's authority and sovereignty and our dependence upon him, we realize how little we actually deserve. And when we pray, we we also remember the relief that he has provided us with in the past. We need to do like Israel did when they crossed the Jordan and they set up those stones, those 12 stones, one for each tribe, and they We're told to look at those stones and remember what God had done, how God had provided for them to cross that river. And we need to do that. We need to set up stones of remembrance in our own lives. We can keep a journal. We can paint a picture. We can make some kinds of art and craft. We can go and pick up a rock and put it on our table. Whatever helps you to remember, this is what God has done for me this day. And then you can go back and look on that and say, God is good. God provides. You have given me relief when I was in distress. God has not forgotten your earthly needs and circumstances. Matthew 6, 8 reminds us that your Father knows what you need before you even ask. When we put our trust in the Lord's eternal providence. Sometimes people fear that that means that I'm telling God I don't need these things on the earth anymore, and and if I tell God I don't need these things, then he isn't going to give these things to me anymore. Trusting in the Lord's eternal providence means that we put our hopes into our Father in heaven, and, and that same Father knows what we need means we take our eyes off of the things of this world and what the world would offer us alone. But it doesn't mean that the Lord won't provide for us everything that we need to accomplish the work that he has given us to do. And then some. Who here doesn't have more than they need? 
We all have more than we need, don't we? Do you have more than one pair of shoes? Yep. Got more than one shirt? Yep. The other day I was going through my closet and I told my wife, I just don't know what to wear as I stared at this closet full of clothes and I haven't even unpacked everything. God gives us more than abundantly what we need to accomplish everything that he's given us to do. Oop. Those are the four things right there. You know what? Flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We need to pray, knowing who God is, knowing who we are, and knowing that he has not forgotten a single thing that we need. Secondly, we need to remember the comfort of our refuge in the Son. Verse 3 of Psalm 4. But know, know this, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. You have in Jesus Christ a perfect salvation that cannot be taken away, that does not fade. We need to make sure that as, as we pray to God, we remember the comfort and the security of our salvation in Jesus Christ as we pray through passages like John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Never means never. And no one means no one. You are secure. Romans chapter 8 in its entirety is one of the most encouraging chapters of Scripture. 
We need to begin compiling a list of these things so that when we feel like the th- we, we are oppressed by our lack or our needs, that we remember we are completely secure. Compile a list. Stack up more of those stones of remembrance that you can go back and look at. Keep it in your Bible. Refer to it. Meditate upon passages such as these because your salvation is secure. Thirdly, we need to stop once in a while and observe our own reactions. We need to make sure that we're not giving in to our our self-centered flesh and allowing ourselves to just react to circumstances or react to other people the same way that the world does. Verse 4 tells us, Be angry. And do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Be angry, but shut up. Be angry. There are things in this world to be upset about, aren't there? There there are hurtful sins. There are injustices. There is hatred for God and his ways. There's abortion. There's misuse of God's word publicized on television for all the world to see and say, that's what Christians are. There's things to be angry about. But do not sin. We need to be sure before we react that our anger is God's anger. Rarely is my anger ever God's anger. That we need to be sure that what is upsetting me is something that God would be upset about too. Or is it possible that whatever I'm upset about could simply be something that's my own. I am being offended. I am the God of my own heart, and I've put myself in this place so that when you say something against me, it hurts me, and I'm... Is that the case when I get angry? We need to make sure that we don't just react. We need to step outside of ourselves and observe our reactions because often it will teach us something about our own heart. Because out of our hearts comes the fruit of who or what we truly love. 99.9% of the time, we just react out of our flesh, don't we? Somebody says something to you, what do you do? You go and you start writing them a letter, right? Or you go to that terrible thing called email. It's so easy to hit send a little too soon, isn't it? And sometimes what we need to do is make sure that we sleep on it. We need to make sure that we ponder it in our own hearts, on our beds, and be silent. We need to write that email and then sleep on it, ponder it for a day, don't send it. Take the time to filter our words through God's own word. And then when we're thinking more clearly, we can rewrite it, remove any ungodly thoughts or statements, any self-centered things, and then we can hit send. To keep our eyes on Jesus Christ in a world of things and stuff 
we need to pray, remember, observe, and fourthly, get to work. Verse 5. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Offer right sacrifices. Get to work. Get to what God has given you to do. While the world complains and, and rails at life, Christians get to work serving the Lord. We die with our boots on. We need to offer him right sacrifices. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Your whole life, everything that we are, every gift we have, everything we have, an offering to God to be used by Him. We need to offer right sacrifices because He's prepared things for us to do, hasn't He? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have salvation with a purpose. David in our psalm tells us to get to work. Have you ever noticed that when you, you get yourself involved in a task, you get yourself doing something for somebody else, your mind forgets about the trials? The hardships kind of go to the back burner. You forget about the physical needs, the desires of this world. They, they get set aside for a while, and, and often our point of view becomes clearer with a little passing of time, doesn't it? If we would just get ourselves to serving the Lord, using the time we have wisely, letting some time pass and see if our needs and our desires don't change with that passing of a little bit of time. See if your will doesn't become more in line with the Lord's will. See if you don't come to be at peace with what God has already provided you with, temporally and eternally. Verse 8 of our psalm says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. If we want peace in this life, we need to be grounded in God's providence, his eternal providence, remembering that he does not forget our needs on this earth as well. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Never, ever, he is there. But as Christians in this world, it is a, a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute -minute choice to pray acknowledging who he is and our dependence upon him. Remembering how he's relieved us in the past, we need to choose to remember the comfort of our refuge in the Son, 
We need to go to Scripture and, and be reminded of, of, of the things He's done. We need to observe, take a step back, and look at our reactions before we let ourselves just react. Make sure we're in line with God's will. When, and then we need to get to work. Keep ourselves busy, presenting ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord who sacrificed himself in our place and on our behalf. Remembering that we are saved with a purpose. When we do these things, we will have the peace that is to be found in spite of our circumstances. Whether or not people are making life difficult, as David said in verse 2, O men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Whether or not we have the things of this world that the people cry out for in verses 6 and 7, even the things that we sometimes would deem necessary, this is where the Apostle Paul's heart was. That's where he lived when he said in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let us be content trusting in the Lord so that we can live in this world and yet be distinct. Because being grounded in the providence of God gives ground to our witness, doesn't it? We should be a curiosity to the world around us. When we get to work and, and the person in the cubicle next to us says, how you doing? And we say, well, I just got diagnosed with cancer, but God is good. Make him, make him do a double take. How can you be content even though, dot, 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 whatever your example might be. No, I have not been diagnosed with cancer. Just, that was just an example. Let's make a mask. How can you be so content? And let the door be open for sharing Jesus Christ. May our lives be grounded in the providence of God. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that you have not forgotten us. You neither sleep nor slumber. You see our every need and you know it before we ask you. For you are the Lord Almighty in whom we trust. And Lord, when we fall short, when, we, when, when our hearts wander, for we are prone to wander, Lord, we pray that you would bring us back, drag us back, kicking and screaming, break us that we might be yours even more so. We praise you, Lord, for your providence, for your love for us, especially that given to us in Jesus Christ, for we could not, would not have done that for ourselves, but you alone. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.